Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This edition of the Kellen and Alex Show was recorded in July of 2020. In this podcast, we get into vocation and often the binary choice of ah, you're married or you're going to be a religious or a priest. We talk about that binary option. What's wrong with that? What's right with that? How do you discern vocation? Where do people get vocation wrong? And then we get into the protest and a little bit of the madness in America that we're seeing right now and how that relates to this year being the election cycle and just the madness you can kind of expect leading up to that. So we get into that and much more. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kellen and Alex Show. That you have a vocation. He thinks the whole concept of vocation that we've had and we've been told is, let's say, a little off kilter. Off kilter. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Nick Larkins, he is the, you know, deep philosophical and theological type. So more than us degenerates, right? More than us degenerates. By the way, <laughs> just for you know, a little a little throwback here. When we were in the old studio in, in uh at Franciscan in the radio studio, Nick Larkins called us degenerate. And uh so He did flat out. So I actually asked him to be out. on the podcast tonight. He's <laughs> actually moving back to Steubenville as we speak. And so he'll be on next week, but uh, we're preemptively talking about his overwhelming topic, which is vocation. And um, I I have just a quote from the catechism of man's general vocation. This is from 1877 in the catechism. The vocation of humanity is to show forth the image of God and to be transformed into the image of the father's only son. This vocation takes a personal form Since each of us is called to enter into the divine beatitude, it also concerns the whole human community. So, I mean, in a general sense, we talk vocation, it's humanity has a vocation, let's say a calling by God to enter into this divine relationship with Christ in the church. Well, you know, I think one thing for sure is that I do believe that everybody has a vocation. I believe that everybody is going to end up somewhere in their life that, you know, they worked, they worked hard to get to. Um, and so, you know, one thing that's important though, that we have to kind of distinguish is that we have to do our part. You know what I mean? Just because we have a vocation and we have a calling to something doesn't mean that we can just say, okay, Lord, take me there. You know what I mean? It's, you know, we can't just hop in the Lamborghini Murcielago and just go there without, you know, just barely touching the gas. We really got to press on the gas hard. And, you know, make a few turns here and there to get there because, you know, we can't just say, Lord, do it for me. We really got to work hard to get there. So some people, they don't want to work hard and they don't want to go anywhere in their life. And sometimes that happens, you know, that ends up. So everybody has a vocation. It's just that you have to work for it. Yeah, they're they're pointing out here in the catechism, there's like the general vocation. uh, And guys in chat, we are taking chat. So your thoughts on vocation in general, but there's like, the general vocation of all of humanity, obviously, to enter into the church, be saved, and live the Christian life. And then it they're pointing out it takes a personal note, like like you're saying, that you have to take the reins in your life according to your circumstances. It's so, true, yeah. Every, everybody's going to have, there's going to be changing circumstances. There's going to be wild turns that you're going to have to take, and you know, there's going to be hard times. So it's not just like a walk in the park. It's not always just a straight path. So let's take it a little bit further. When most people talk vocations, discerning a vocation, whatever else, if you say the phrase like discerning a vocation, most of the time it's in relation to like priesthood or religious life or something like that. Yeah. But when people think vocation, they think, okay, are you getting married or are you becoming a religious or a priest? Do you think that's like the, 
let's say the appropriate way to look at vocation is like, oh, what's your vocation? Are you going to get married or are you going to be a priest? You think that's the way like we should talk about vocation? People should talk about vocation. It's a good question. It's a hard one to answer because, you know, obviously, I guess in theory, you have two choices. You're either going to become a priest or you could, you know, become married or you could just stay single. I mean, that's, that's I a, we just had Cyclops Saber Brown just said, is being a bachelor slash bachelorette a vocation? I, I think it is because I think it's a direction in life that uh, you chose to go to or, you know, maybe you didn't feel like you were being called to become father, uh, a.k.a. not having um, children with a wife uh, or, you know, I, I guess that's a way. Um, so. Well, here's, here's the difficult thing. Like, okay, well, there's kind of like part of being human and growing up and reaching maturity. There's a, it's like a sign of that to become a father, to become a mother, whatever else It's kind of the expected. Um, that's what generally most people are going to. Well, that's like the most, that's like the general thought in, you know, the general public is, well, 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 I guess it's just kind of how humanity ends up, you know, we get married, they have families. it's the common paths. I mean, except like if you're an atheist, then I don't think that a common thought in your mind is going to be, or oh, I'm going to either get married or go to the priesthood. Obviously that's well, not going to be ladder, something <laughs> that's not going to be something that an atheist thinks, but, um, priesthood no, I, think generally, I think, no, I think generally, uh, people will either say I'm going to be, I'm going to get married or if I'm called to the priest, I'm going to become a priest. Uh, definitely we're supposed to be open. You know, I mean, we're supposed to be open to everything. And so uh, we can't just have this close minded idea of what we want to be, even though it's good to have a plan. You still should be open to everything because life has a lot of unexpected uh, twists and turns. So it's always important to have a vision, but you should always, you know, be open to all the aspects. But I think honestly, you know, generally it's uh, like for me, I'm going towards, you know, the married life. I've, I've been open to the priesthood, but I've never really wanted to pursue it. Uh, I've always, <laughs> I've always wanted to, you know, you'd have, have a, a good wife. time in the theology classes, huh? I, I do. You know, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> whenever, you know, it's funny going to Franciscan and having, you know, priests teach classes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you have this person teaching about theology, but they're a priest. It's not like, I mean, we obviously do have professors that are married and things like that, but, you know, a substantial amount of our staff is, uh, faculty is priests, I think, and, you know, friars. But uh, it's interesting to have that, you know, perspective as you're, to somebody to look to as your teacher. Somebody who's actually a, living that type of um, yeah. vocation, whatever else. And, and, and yeah, and you're right. So I think the general thought in, in, uh, you know, in Christian life is this person's either going to become married or they're going to become a pastor or a priest or whatever. So my question are- to you, is that the way to like, let's say discuss vocation? Cause that seems to overwhelm, let's say those, the binary option of religious life or this, like, so going back to what the catechism says here about, you have this general vocation of humanity to be united with Christ. And then you have this vocation takes a personal form obviously, since all of us are called to be into, called into divine beatitude. Now, obviously that, that, you know, that choice to married life, whatever is a huge one, 
But does that become, let's say, the like the overwhelming focus of everyone's mind of what's my vocation? It's not what do I want to do in life and you know, um, let's say the more binary option of vocation, at least in Christian terms when people talk about it. I'm going to take kind of a more unpopular opinion. I'm going to say that I think that it's, I don't think it's the best idea to have that mindset is either going to be a priest, you know, religious life or non, you know, or being married. I think that, you know, there's no, there's not a problem with somebody being single their entire life. So we can think about it, I guess, in three ways, you know, entering religious life, becoming, you know, or becoming married. Uh, or just staying single. I had a close friend of mine who was single for his entire life until he passed away. But I don't know if it's the best to look at it that way. I mean, we don't want people to be, uh, I mean, it's good to be open to it, but we don't want people having this overwhelming thought in them of saying, okay, you're either going to go here or you're going to go here. I don't think that's the best idea, the best way to, uh, you know, focus, help people, help people focus on their vocation. We don't want to make them, you know, really, you have two options. We don't want that kind of mentality going around in society. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. There's probably a lot of people that disagree with me. Um, but I think that it's probably better that we don't force on people, um, this idea of you either go here, or you either go here. <laughs> Poetic reptile. Good to see you. He says, uh, Poetic reptile. No she. way. Kellen is going to be single his whole life. Rip. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you. Poetic reptile. Welcome to the, welcome to the oh, show. Oh boy. There we um, go. Poetic so reptile. so the you're, you're time, saying this Kellen time. just to defend yourself, right? Against, uh, to defend myself. Uh, I'm once not, you I, end up eternally single. <laughs> I'm open to everything, but my goal is to go towards the married life. Hopefully. I hope that works out. Maybe <laughs> I'll see what happens. But there's okay. Let's talk Franciscan for a second. Cyclops Saber Brown says, "Oof." Um, <laughs> let's talk Franciscan for a second. Um, and call it. And people have talked eternally, and we've done a podcast on it on the dating culture at Franciscan. Oh, we, we've done a debate on this as well up at school. True, the dating culture at Franciscan University. Um, so. One of one of the things what I was trying to draw out, at least in my mind, with this binary that gets put before people, right? Oh, your vocation. Well, it only encompasses your binary choice between religious life or married life. And I, I think just having those limit the term vocation. Like it limits the let's say the broadness of vocation that there's so many different paths that people take according to interests and whatever else, and the term vocation ends up becoming way too narrow. It's like, oh, I'm discerning a vocation. Oh, priesthood? Or, oh, I think I want to marry this person. You know, I want to be married. Okay, that. But like vocation, especially as the catechism's laying it out here, like it's the personal form of fulfilling God's will in your life that you play a role in fulfilling that, right? And, and there's another part here in so, the societal element of this. This is in 1886 in the catechism. Society is essential to the fulfillment of the human vocation. To attain this aim, respect must be accorded to the just hierarchy of values, which subordinates physical and instinctual dimensions to interior and spiritual ones. This is this is huge. Okay, so uh, maybe you guys in chat know this uh, former priest, Jonathan Morris. Um, he was a Fox News contributor. He sold a lot of books. He did whatever else. Um, he is a former priest, and he left the priesthood. And I want to I want to pull up 
um, exactly what he said regarding his vocation that led him to leave. This is in May of 2019. Uh, Morris announced that he had decided to request dispensation from the clerical state after having, quote, struggled for years with vocation and the commitments that the Catholic priesthood demands, especially not being able to marry and raise a family. I have decided to ask the Holy Father Pope Francis to release me from the duties and responsibilities of the clerical state. Taking this step is something I have considered often, and at length in years past, and discussed with my spiritual guides. My decision, this is, this is the big part, my decision is not about an existing relationship, but rather about the peace and spiritual freedom I trust will come in the future by following God's will for my life. Well, Initial thoughts, Mr. Lake. Okay, so obviously all of us want peace. I mean, that's something that we seek is to have peace. Fair enough. But let's be, I mean, let's, let's be honest about this too, though. I mean, there's really only three directions, right? Religious life, getting married, or be, being single for the rest of your life. I mean, that is really nothing else. Um, and so I think what's important to notice is that we don't want to, like I said, we don't want to have this existing thought in society where you're going to be forced to do one thing or the other. Um, and I think that's what he's talking about is that when he says it's not like an existing relationship, you know, it's something that it's something that we seek for, which is peace. It's something that we want to fulfill God's plan. And we don't, we don't always know, you know, what's coming. You know what I mean? We don't know what's coming. I don't know what's, what I'm going to be like in 10 years. I don't know what my, you know, status is going to be in 10 years. But, but however, he chose and he <clears throat> went on this path. I mean, he went to Rome to study, be a priest. He became a priest and he made vows. Yeah. At that point, vocations, let's say your idea of what your vocation is not completely set because like just being a priest doesn't solve things, right? Going back to the whole, you're a priest, you're that, and then you know everything at that point. It's like, no, it's just you've made a decision. The oath has been taken. You're a priest now. And now your vocation, now this now element really, of vocation yeah. starts. When we look at vocation, we look at vocation, we shouldn't just, it, we shouldn't look at it as something that- As the okay, goal line. The goal line. Yeah. It should be, you know, it's not just saying, okay, I'm, I'm a priest now. I fulfilled my vocation. No, no, no. It's, it's like you become, when you get married or you become a priest- your vocation starts there. Now the real hard work starts. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And, and the rubber like, hit the road for, for <clears throat> the former father, Jonathan Morris. And then he comes to completely reverse that. And he said, it's not about an existing relationship, but rather about the peace and spiritual freedom I will trust will come in the future. <clears throat> okay, so he's made well, an oath. Thing, he's a priest. Trust. I mean, can you imagine if like a husband, you know, told that to his wife, you know, it's, it's not about this existing relationship. It's about the peace and spiritual freedom I'll feel when I leave. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it that's... doesn't. So at that point in time, it's like, so going into the binary, I think when we discuss vocation with people who don't have, aren't, aren't married or, um, you know, aren't into religious or priestly life, not currently in it, I think we simplify it to say you're going to be a priest or you're going to be married and that's the goal line and you're just like how can i get to the goal line rather than saying like okay i'm a human being i have a vocation to be united with god and do his will and obviously that big vocation is a huge part of it um but then for people after who've taken the <clears throat> vows right they're married they're a priest or they're a religious or whatever you can't go back after that 
You can't just say, oh. renounce your oaths, renounce your vows. Um, if you get removed from the clerical state or something, or your marriage gets annulled because it was wrong, okay, the church has the right to do that. But, um, yeah, anyways, yeah, thoughts I, I on, mean, like, the, the after point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important when we, one of the biggest things that us humans have to have when we're, you know, discerning our vocation is we need to have patience. Patience is like, one would say the biggest factor in, you know, really learning where you're going. Um, Because there have been people that have just changed dramatically, changed directions and things like that. But when, you know, when we get to that state, like say you take your vows and you become a priest or, you know, you take your vows and you become married, like that's where the hard work starts. You know what I mean? That's like the beginning point. Now it's like, it's like when we talk about vocation, we have to look at it in like in a a complete timeline of your life. You know what I mean? Like you get to a point because I think that a, a common misconception maybe in maybe at Franciscan or just in Christian thought in general is that when people say vocation, they think a specific occupation or a specific status when really a vocation is something that it's a work in progress. Hmm. It's like, it's like a, it's a process. Right. You know what I mean? It's not something that you just get to and then you say, Oh, you fulfilled your vaca- vocation. It's far more you- dynamic than just, I reached the goalpost. Now I'm a priest. Or I reached the goalpost, and now I'm. I mean, this. Okay, this one thing, guys in chat, please, please let us know. Um, oh, poetic reptile says, can you ever complete your vocation? I would say you can. Let's say make the oath to begin a vocation as a priest or as a married person. You can never complete that until you die. You go to heaven. Yeah, I mean, a completion is AKA death, pretty much. All right, you've reached the the goal, you know. Again. Well, yeah, because going back to what the catechism says here, it's y- your ultimate vocation is to be transformed, to show forth the image of God and to be transformed into the image of Christ. That's your vocation. That's all of our that's humanity's vocation. So, if you are saved, you've accomplished that vocation. If you yeah. enter heaven. Now, that vocation takes a personal element because each of us has to live our lives according to showing forth that image. And there's a great incarnational analogy here that Christ's mission continues to be fulfilled in our lives here on earth by his incarnation. We take, you know, we, being united to Christ, we become imitators of Christ here on earth and then fulfill his mission to spread the gospel and live out holiness on earth and be united with God and unite our sufferings to Christ. Like that's your vocation. So can you ever yeah, complete your I mean, vocation? If you fulfill yeah. that, you've completed your vocation. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, we really have, I guess, one vocation, and that is to live your life the best that you can and try to reach the earthly, you know, or the you know the heavenly paradise. That's really what our vocation is. But you know, in in you know terms of just on this earth, we really have like every person is destined towards something, um, and so I guess our earthly vocation is you know, becoming, like I said, if you're either going to become like a priest or you're going to become, stay single, or you're going to become married. Like that is, I guess, an earthly vocation, like what you're going to get to and it's continue It's an to earthly strive. vocation, but here's the big thing. It's based on an oath. 
meaning it's yeah. irreversible. And and this right. is the thing. And I, I I do want some input from chat on this. You like, I've known probably two or three or even more priests who have left their priest. I've you know definitely known families that are divorced. But I think what really gets me is priests who leave. I mean that that really gets me. And it's I, I don't know you guys' experience in chat with that. Um, we had a priest who went to Steubenville, um, went there for his undergrad, ended up going back to our diocese in Memphis, and he was a priest for a while. He became a pastor of a parish. He was getting a lot of blowback. He wasn't he wasn't feeling, you know, his vocation or whatever, and he just straight up walked away. Lived in Memphis for a little while, and I think he's out in LA now. You wait, so you can't do that though, right? You can't just walk away <laughs> from the priesthood, right? What I mean, are they that's... gonna do? Send the Vatican assassins after you? Well, you know? no, but like that's against Catholic teaching, right? Yeah. I mean, you, that's you can't just leave, no. right? Yeah, I mean, can you imagine? You know what they do to deserters in the army? You know, you get tried they in martial law, and you put them in. <laughs> I mean, they, well, they don't they, always shoot. Okay, them. okay. Well, back in like the like World War II days and things like that, they shot him. Yeah, I mean, shot there. It's a common thing known. You get shot for desertion. So, I mean, therefore, we should shoot apostates. Leave the church. We shoot you. That's what, you know. That's what the Muslims do. I, I don't know if you know that Muslim country. You become an apostate. <laughs> it's like instant death penalty, murder. Okay, so anyways, but yeah, about- priests who leave the priesthood. Do you guys have experience with that? Uh, drop it in chat. Um, yeah, I mean, this priest, like, he was pretty close to us. He's a young guy. And um, it just, so, and then my, my dad asked another priest friend of ours, like, what is it with these young priests who leave or priests who leave? And, and father was just like, they just don't have any backbone. Either that, I mean. That's what he that, said. That, that yeah, was his they, answer. They don't I have mean, any that's, backbone. That's fair enough. But maybe some, maybe people just lose interest. I mean, maybe, I mean, it, it, it's like, it feels like an excuse to say to leave the priesthood because you lost interest, but maybe they legitimately like, think that, I just, that's I part of this. the, that's part of the, you know, it's part of the priestly vocation. It's part of the married life. There's, there is a, in this, you know, in this short life we live on earth that Catherine of Siena described it as from eternity, we're going to view this life as a one crappy night in a bad hotel. Um, but in this crappy night in the bad hotel, you can swear an oath that'll permanently seal you as to a, a certain relationship, mm-hmm. either a relationship to a wife, um, you know, in, in a permanent relationship, you're raising kids, or in this vocation in the priesthood, or in religious life when you make final vows. And those are supposed to be irreversible, right? Because if we can't, we can't uh, trust that these people are going to continue in their oaths, then like, what's the point of swearing these oaths in the first place if you can just revoke them and say, well, I didn't feel it, right? The whole idea of the oath is to be like, even when you're not feeling it and you're not feeling the spiritual peace, you persevere because that is an irreversible decision that you chose. No one's forcing you into the into the priesthood. No one's forcing you. Now, if someone was forcing you to get married to somebody and it wasn't part of your will, then that's not a true marriage and then it's old. But with regards to the priesthood, these guys had eight, 10 years, whatever, to true yeah so that's true you can't it's, just say like oh well i lost interest you know yeah that's true i mean it's it's just <laughs> it's it's a crappy situation when something like that happens because you know like i said they were like people are given time to really 
like it's a, you only have one life. Like it's a serious thing. If you're going to commit to something, you have to commit to it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the problem that we have in society, society today. You know, when we're seeing the, you know, divorce rate in the United States over 50%, I believe 56%. Um, and it's just, we have people, we don't, these people that get these divorces, they're not educated properly on the seriousness of a dedic- of dedicating yourself to something. Um, we have people all the time in the U.S. just getting divorced and going somewhere else because the key thing is they lose interest. You know what I mean, they lose, so they, they don't, they lose interest and they want something new. See, that's the thing is like us Catholics, we're taught if, you know, if we're going towards something, we're going to learn dedication and learn to love that thing and learn and learn about it. So we make the correct decision. And so that we can properly be fulfilled for the rest of our life. The problem is, is that in our world today, we have just worldly desires, you know, of the flesh that people just, they're weak. It's weakness. It's human weakness. That's all it comes down to is that people are not trained properly. People are not educated properly. I mean, do you know how many broken homes people come from the United States all over the place, inner city, rural areas, there's broken families, broken homes. I see it all the time. And it's just these people, The it, it starts with the home life. You know what I mean? It starts with the education. People are educated properly. When you think about it, just us coming from a family, like my parents have been married for 35 years or something. I can't even remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and they had five kids and they taught us properly. And it taught us to grow up and to become the best person that we can be, you know, regarding our Catholic faith and just going to mass and receiving all the sacraments. If you think about it, that's really hard to come by these days. And if we don't have the full truth, it's going to be hard to stick to something for the rest of your life because you're just going to be lost in it and you're not going to understand it. And then all of a sudden your, your, you know, your worldly desires take over. There are legitimate people who are hurt when you <laughs> when you destroy this oath that you've made. Uh, Poetic Reptile says society is focused on the quote feeling good, which is problematic. It's exactly the same thing the Catechism says here. To attain this aim, respect must be accorded to the just hierarchy of values, which quote subordinates physical and in instinctual dimensions to interior and spiritual ones. So. This, you know, I'm not really feeling this relationship. I'm not really feeling fulfilled as a priest in this way. You have to subordinate those desires and those, you know, sufferings to the oath that you've made. Now, there's there are legitimate situations where, let's say, you need to separate because, let's say, the husband's abusive or something like that. Yeah, there are or legitimate the wife, reasons. you know, or somebody commits adultery. And you need to divorce or something like that, and and that's a break of a breaking of the oath, right? Or you know, a, a priest can't fulfill his duties and he has to go underground because let's say he's in China or something like that, right? So there are those, but like saying like this ex priest Jonathan Morris saying I I just don't feel inner peace being a priest. It's like that's part of the suffering that you were willing to take on yep. in fulfilling your vocation. That you, you can't just step back. Going to take on. That's right. And and it's just a and think about how many people he has scandalized by leaving the priesthood in this type of way. I mean, a prominent priest, young guy, handsome, like 
out there on Fox News. He's saying he's quoting stuff about the election of Pope Francis. He's talking. He's out there. He's whatever. He's representing the church. And then he says, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. And he leaves it and he leaves it publicly. It's just like, what damage to the beauty of the priesthood? Well, it's a shame because if we kind of, if you think about it, this really, the, the core of this problem is the lack of someone be able, being able to see the beauty in life. Um, and when we talk about beauty, it's something that it's like a very, it's a very delicate um, topic because people, it gets, it like, it can be corrupted with people who, who think of it in the wrong way. They think of beauty as something that's, oh, you know, each time I go somewhere and I see this, this is beautiful. I want more of it. I want more of it. And in, in the wrong way, like saying, oh, there's this beautiful woman. I'm going to leave my wife and I'm going to go to that beautiful woman because she's just, it's like in my dreams. And that's not real beauty. Real beauty is seeing the fullness of something and embracing that fullness through the image of, of beauty. And so when you are committing to something, you are committing to learning about the beauty of that thing and wanting to embrace the beauty of that thing. And you want to become more like it. And the problem is, is that in society today, we have so many different people that are just, they, it's like false beauty. It's like, they Mm -hmm. don't understand. They don't understand that true beauty is dedicating to something for the rest of your life. You know, if you, you make that decision to dedicate it to the rest of your life, you're willing to willing and wanting to see the beauty in that thing. And if we have trouble understanding what true beauty is, then it's just going to lead to all sorts of disasters because people are, you know, their moral desire, you know, their earthly desires are going to come in and just, it's so easy for a human to get lost. Wow. That's a huge point. Yeah. Like the real beauty versus just the ephemeral and, you know, out there just, yeah. And, and I think you'll see exactly what you're talking about with regards to, I mean, with both marriages and priesthood, you'll have people thinking once I become a priest, everything will be solved. And then they yep. become a priest and then they have this, you know, honeymoon period of priesthood where they're going around. And everyone's like, yay, father, whatever. And then five years down the line, they're at a crappy parish. The parishioners are, you know, upset mm-hmm. all the time. He's overworked. And then he's just like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think this goes back to what father was saying about <laughs> to my dad about all these priests leaving, saying they have no backbone. It's like when the going gets tough, you know, it's it's going to get tough. That's what is, is part of the traditional marriage oath of you think it's just all fun and games. You have your honeymoon. You're like, yay, married life. It's great. And then you get, you know, two or three kids down the line and you're dealing with diapers and all this crap. And uh, and then you're all of a sudden like, oh, yeah, well, this is a very sacrificial thing to be a father, or be a mother and to be married. And then, you know, your or your husband loses his job and then he has to, you know, and, and or let's say the wife. Just all these other situations, there's a sacrificial element to it, and it's gonna get tough. Like it's a guaranteed part of married life or priesthood or religious life, or whatever. And we're and losing people, that ability yeah. to just see the beauty of even in those sufferings. It's a beautiful <clears throat> thing. Like you're yeah, saying, people people just don't understand what true sacrifice is. I mean, like my parents do every 
you know, stuff every day to the sacrifice for each other. And uh, people just don't understand how to, they don't really even understand what fully committing to something is like, they don't, they're not educated properly growing up. And if you're not educated properly, that's going to lead to all sorts of problems. Um, And so people don't understand what true beauty is. People don't understand what true sacrifice is. And when you have that combination of that bad combination, it's a high chance of messing up and just doing a lot of bad things in your life. And so, you know, it's, and and it's, it's difficult to process because, you know, when you have, what was this priest's name again? The one you, I'm not going to mention any names, but, oh, Jonathan Morris. Jonathan Morris. I can mention his. The one that that I knew that left, I'm not going to, but anyways, you know, this priest, Jonathan Morris, that left the priesthood, Maybe he just couldn't deal with true sacrifice. Maybe he couldn't truly understand the beauty that what he was doing. And I'm not taking a shot at him or anything. I'm just yeah, saying. I think you were dead maybe, right. Maybe he really struggled with understanding what true sacrifice is and what true beauty is. Like when you do this, you have to realize that there's going to be hard times. Marriage isn't just a walk in the park. Are you kidding me? It's one of the most difficult things you can do in your life. Every single day, you're doing little things, sacrificing. Like, he just probably couldn't take the heat. He couldn't take that, the fact that he had to be, you know, to sacrifice and to see true beauty. Like, he probably just, he couldn't do it. And and that's not an excuse for him to leave. He shouldn't have. So, um, but it's just bad in society today that we have all these rampant things. And the core of it is Satan. I mean, Satan is at work in our society and, uh, we have to be able to combat it. We have to be properly educated. We have to, you know, go through our life with a mindset of dedication and true sacrifice. We have to have that in our life. And so, you know, the best way to, to combat this garbage is to truly, you know, take the time to learn about these essential things in life, like sacrifice and beauty and, you know, goodness and truth and all these things. It's up to us to educate ourselves on that, because if we do that, we have a better chance of understanding our vocation and, you know, you know, being dedicated to that sacrifice. I think it's really interesting. You brought up beauty as being like, they don't see the beauty of sacrifice. And, Mm -hmm. And by the way, chat, we are taking chat. So like what role beauty and sacrifice really plays in this? Yeah. Let us know in chat. But I think what you're saying about like, Okay, so take, for example, these like multimillionaire guys. So I was just thinking about Elon Musk. I read a, an article about his former wife, his first wife. He had like four kids with her or something like that. Yeah. And he was going down this path. He got huge off of uh, PayPal, actually. He was an original investor in PayPal before they went huge. They went huge. He made like something ridiculous, like $500 million or something. And that's what he started SpaceX and um, and Tesla off of. And, and Tesla now is just like, off the charts in value wise, it just hit 1200 trading on the stock market. So it's a billions and billions of dollars, but she was with him over that time. And he started getting involved in PayPal and working more and working more and whatever else. And she actually relates in her story and it's just her side of the story. So it's not his as well, but that he wanted her to look a certain way and talk a certain way and kind of fit in with the Hollywood crowd and with all the richie riches in LA. And she said she had a time when <clears throat> she um she was in her bmw and 
hit another car and another lady got out and and she got out of the car and she had like super blonde hair was very very underweight she was actually not eating at all and was wearing like this fancy dress and high heels and stuff and she just looked at herself and was just thinking i've become just another trophy wife or something like that and um eventually elon divorced her and um moved on and whatever else and their four kids whatever end up happening and Elon got married again and he's married to, you know, some 26 year old girl who now they have a kid with who's named like XAE12. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen their kid's name? Like XR12. <laughs> so anyways, I mean, just to, so our society today holds these type of people as like our, our US heroes, you know what I mean? Elon Musk and these other guys and whatever else, but um, it's, it's a weird situation. Like the fact that there's, this isn't an unfamiliar story. The guy who makes Big Bank and stops caring about his family at all, has doesn't really care about married life. Okay, look at Jeff Bezos' wife. We divorced. She's literally the richest woman in the world because of her divorce settlement. She hadn't worked, you know, for any of it. <laughs> she just married Bezos. It's just a weird situation in which I, I think as we're seeing, you know, marriage rates decline, divorce rates continue to go up and whatever, that this whole marriage institution that we're seeing in the US like it's it ends up being bad business if you're an entrepreneur if you're trying to make big money and whatever else like where's the sacrifice where's the beauty where's any of this right the fact that you can just make a lot of money and then have any women you want and then why would you be married at that point it's just we're we're just such an a and that's such a um that's, that's not a beautiful thing that's an ugly thing yeah i think that's so, a, there's no sacrifice in that yeah well, it's it's a lack of dedication. And one thing that I I think the past three years that I've learned at Franciscan is that especially in the classes that I've learned, the you know, the theology and philosophy classes, is that we're you know, we're getting thrown into a world where it's dangerous and we're gonna have to learn the hard way. Um and we're a people that is getting thrown into the fire, essentially. I mean, we're, we look, we're young, we're like 20, 22, 23. And uh, we're seeing all these things in the world happen. It's first of all, it's so easy to get discouraged, because a lot of people aren't properly educated when they grow up and they think, oh, this is this completely fine to leave your wife. I mean, they literally think that it's a good thing to leave your wife to go someone else. Oh, because you're, you're seeking you know, you're in love because you're in love. You're seeking pleasure for yourself, which is a good thing. And the problem is, is that they don't understand what dedication is. They don't understand not, not even like that dedication. They don't understand the goodness behind being dedicated to someone. Like they don't understand, they don't, you know, they don't know the point of it. And if you can't stick to your core, if you can't stick to your roots, you're not going to be able to survive in the society in, in a good and truthful way. And us as Catholics, we have to really analyze this world in a, in a severe way because it's so easy even for us to get carried away. I mean, we technically, to some extent, we have a better chance of avoiding this garbage. But um, it's it's just we see all these Hollywood stars. We see people getting divorced. We see all this money. and all this wealth and just this sin that we're living in. Uh, and it's so, it's so easy to get carried away, but you know, I also have a theory. I think that it's also right, guys, easy. It's a theory. Ready. It's a theory. Get ready for this. I think that 
for people that are properly educated, like growing up Catholic and things like that, when they see things like this, when they see this evil in the world, it could be easy for them to get discouraged, but I think it could also be easy for them to get even more propelled to go to the good. You know what I mean? It, it could also be what do you mean so by good. That? It could be good for them to see this and analyze it. And then because of that, it would be easy for them to want to know what they have and, and to, to actual, actually seek, you know, seek the goodness and the truth and the beauty in a dedicated mindset of something. So like if we're seeing all these bad things happening, like divorce, you know, lawsuits, we're seeing corruption all over the place. Maybe it's not, maybe it's a good thing for us to see that. And so when we see that we can easily identify what the good is and what we want, but we understand that it's going to be difficult, but seeing those things can really help us get towards our goal of living a dedicated it could it could also on the on the flip side you know uh just basically say like don't get married if you want to make money because then if you end up getting divorced uh you're going to lose a lot of that money and so it's like marriage as an institution is a is a um it's a binding force that has legal ramifications and so don't get married just you know if you have to leave you have to leave whatever else if your feelings change and, and and like yeah, the people who get damaged the most, obviously the spouses get damaged, but like the children really get damaged by the fact that their parents have split up, especially if their dad leaves and goes marry somebody else, whatever else, or their mom leaves. I mean, either situation. The fact of, um, you know, it, it, the whole, that the institution itself, that we need this binding forces so that the, the kids have a stable upbringing and that the people can be faithful to each other, right? I mean, marriage as Augustine says, is fides, proles, and sacramentum. It's faithfulness, it's children, and it's the oath that you swear to be with each other and to have this relationship where you're, you can have children and raise them properly and all this type of stuff. When, when you have, let's take in the case of Elon, he runs off and leaves his kids and leaves his wife and he's pursuing money and whatever else. Um, even if he's doing all these great things like building rockets and all this stuff, he's neglected what he's sworn to do in um you know his family life and and it's not new this is kind of like the standard now right it's true and that's and that's a big problem is that now i've gotten to this point where oh you know it's okay to get a divorce and it's okay and you think about it think about i'm not sure when roe v wade was you know ruled 73 uh, 73 or something i mean think about the general thought in the public sphere when somebody was going to have an abortion, it was severely looked down upon, you know, until Roe v. Wade, when that lady, you know, testified, you know, up to that point, it was very looked down upon to have an abortion. People say, you don't go out and have an abortion and kill your baby. You don't do that. That's so morally wrong. Now we're having hundreds of thousands of babies aborted each year in the United States. No problem. Right. And same thing we can look at with, you know, gay marriage and, you know, uh, homosexuality i mean if you think about it that was something that was just like why you know why would somebody ever do that why, why would somebody want to it even gets to the point where people you know people deny their basics biology they literally think that they're a woman when really biologically they're a man you know or vice versa and so i can't, I can't wait to get banned from twitch now you know <laughs> us and all of our 
three thousand viewers are going to get banned because you know we're in I'll any way talking about it against you know homosexual marriage. You know, if if we have to if we have to spit truth in their face and we in their face, then we have to spit truth in their face. You know, I mean, it's we have to speak the truth. We can't we can't keep going like this. I mean, think about what, everything that's going on: the rioting, the looting. This whole problem that we're having in the U.S. right now is because people don't under, people don't fundamentally don't understand American history. That's the problem. People just don't know. I mean, there are literally there's black people tearing down an Abraham Lincoln statue. And really, they've probably never heard of something called the Emancipation Proclamation. And so their mind, they don't they literally don't know what Abraham Lincoln did. And so, Helen, how not, do we get to politics? What the heck, man? I'm we get to politics because this is all truth. No, was, I know it's it's, it's definitely there. Yeah, the truth. Nobody speaks the truth anymore. That's the problem in this country. Well, they're afraid to get canceled for it. You know what I mean? Like you're going to lose your platform. You're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your livelihood. The mobs are going to be outside your door. I mean, it's it's just such a weird, weird time. Look, we just lost a viewer. One person left because we talked politics. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but guys we are taking chat by the way so please hop in the conversation poetic reptile cyclops saber brown all the other 2000 viewers out there thank you so much for watching um yeah Truth, I, it, it is it is i mean i have a particular i mean when we're talking vocations those who leave the priesthood for me i mean the the fact that you would take this oath and then the you know the, the catholic people would trust you to be their father i mean that's what they call you all the time it's a father leaving his children he doesn't feel like, oh, well, I don't feel like I should be a priest anymore. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> like the the pain and the like the how upset, you know, the the people who think about it, the bishop who ordained him, his fellow brother priest, all the Catholic laity and people. I mean, you've betrayed all of them in leaving this vocation that you've done. Now, if there's extenuating if there's circumstance that necessitated that this was um, that you never were meant you know, their situation. If you were forced to become a priest or you were forced beyond your will, there's some dire thing, but beyond that, I mean, come on, the fact that you just don't feel it anymore. It's, it's a, like you're saying, we're not seeing the beauty of sacrifice and the beauty of sticking to your guns and sticking to what you know is true and what you've, what you have sworn to do. It's true. Yeah. I mean, people just, they don't understand that. <clears throat> You have to stick with it. I mean, like a friend of mine, you know, a fellow friend just got ordained a priest and uh, there was like a hundred priests there and, you know, bishop and yeah, I mean, that's for one person. That's for one priest. I mean, think of, I mean, it's a big deal. It's such, it's such a sacred, sacred gift from God. I mean, it's literally, you're taking the, if you think about it, you're taking the place of Jesus, you, you know, are, and, yeah. and, and ministering to the people. And so, especially that, but, you know, not everybody's going to become a priest and, you know, not everybody's going to become married. And, but the problem is, is that we, we, we have to have, we have to instill in society peacefully a, you know, a mindset of seeing the beauty in life. I mean, that's, that's just the thing is that the beauty and sacrifice, the beauty and dedication there's goodness in there. You know I mean? There's, there's truth in that. And the truth will set you free. Every person should be wanting to seek the truth. I mean, why wouldn't you want to seek the truth? I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate determining factor. And so it's unfortunate that we have a lot of bad things like that going on in society, but we also need to look to the positive side 
and, you know, see all the good things that are going on in society. Because Alex, let's be honest, we only got one life and we can't focus on all these bad things that are always going on in our society. We, we can't have to ignore them location. either. Or at least we can't ignore them. Or at least say we, an excuse. We shouldn't them. obsess over them. You know so, what I mean? I was thinking the other day, like, what is the number one most prevalent heresy within the church today that's that's whatever? I've asked some friends and stuff. Well, one of the like the number one, let's say, doctrines that's just been completely forgotten is original sin. The fact that man is naturally fallen. Right? And through baptism and regeneration and through living life of grace, you can actually live a holy life. But besides that, you're in this, as Augustine says, this lump of the damned, this mass of the damned who is not tending towards heaven, but rather tending towards hell. Right. And it's and it's because Adam has sinned and our desires are corrupt and our desires are fallen. And so we shouldn't expect everything to just be hunky dory and rosy. That would be denying the necessity of baptism, the necessity of being regenerated in Christ and the necessity of needing grace. And so when we look out into the society and say, well, if we just showed them that like living a Catholic way is, is um, not, not a Catholic way, but like we should just hope that that marriage will have a rebound or that American values will somehow prevail or enlightenment and reason and all this stuff. No, like what's going to prevail is all this idiocy and self-gratification and whatever else, because that's what human nature is tending towards with original sin. And I think we just deny that and just say, well, if we just trust that America will get back on the right path. We can't trust that. The one thing we know is original sin and man's fallen state. What's going to save him from that is turning to Christ and being reborn through baptism and through the graces that are given. Like, like why are we expecting that marriage as an institution somehow going to get better out of all of this? You know, this craziness we've been seeing for, for you know, generations. Abortion's been legal for 50 years or whatever. And and people, we, you know, we went to the, the freaking March for Life last year and Trump was there and, oh, yeah, we're going to whatever. It's only been getting worse. Millions and millions of more babies and whatever else. And I understand you make some law changes and, wow, that's better. And we got this judge and this justice, but no one's taking a stand against this. Why? Because you need actually to believe something bigger than the, yourself. Well, patriotism, you know, like patriot, patriotism exists because, you know, people like you and me, we need a higher cause. You know what I mean? Like we need something greater than us to strive for. And like we need like. You're right. These all these problems, they're never going to be perfect and they never will be perfect and we're never going to resolve everything. Um, and, and that's that's something that just it's reality that we have to face. But the best thing that we can do is be witnesses to others. Like in your own marriage, like if you're married and you know, you're living a good marriage, like that's a witness to other people. You'd be surprised at how many people their hearts change just from seeing one simple action. I mean, it's, it's a very, very true thing. And it's important for us as Catholics to show our faith to other people, to show the way of Christ to other people, to show the light to them. Because that's something that we have been asked to do by God himself. And uh, we have to recognize that nothing's perfect and it will, ne- will never be perfect because we have original sin. We are fallen. We are fallen humans. We mess up all the time. We mistake, make mistakes every day. Um, but we have to instill that mindset in society that we can always get better. We always have to strive to be better. And we want to you know, make systems better. We want to make 
you know, society as better as a whole. We have to strive to do that, but we first have to show that by ourselves. You know, Jesus called the Pharisees hypocrites because they would pray in the streets. And you know what Jesus said? Go inside your room, close the door and pray. In humility. We don't have any humility anymore. <laughs> We've lost humility in our society. If we had, if every person had humility, that we wouldn't see all these bad things going on in society. And let me, let me tell you, I struggle with humi- humility, okay? It's something that I struggle with, all what right? What are you talking about? We're the greatest podcasters of all time, <laughs> all right? Kellen and Alex show, greatest show of all time. Anyways. Uh, but, I mean, nothing, we have to realize nothing's perfect, but we can strive to make it perfect. Except for That's the Kellen the and Alex show. It is Except perfect. for the Kellen and Alex show. You're listening to the best podcast, <laughs> the best. even better than Joe Rogan. Even better, better than, Joe, than Rogan. Joe freaking Rogan, all right? By the way, Joe Rogan's Spotify deal. Did you know how much Spotify made on the deal? How much? So 48 hours after they announced the deal, their shares rose 5%. They made $5 billion and they paid Joe $100 million. <laughs> so once we get bought dollars. out, right? Once we get Joe, bought out by Spotify, we'll we'll charge them a billion dollars. They can make them $5 billion, right? Dude, this listen, is where this is going, guys. This is where this is going. We're all just... People- if more people worldly tune- desires, they're going to succeed, right? Right here, dude, they're going to succeed. We're going to get that hundred million in cash, dude. I'm telling you, if more people tuned into our podcast, there'd be so much good in the world. I mean, society would be so much better. There'd be so much. It would be like one of those world. memes, like society before Kalanaksha, society after, and it's like perfect and everything. <laughs> yeah, you guys know it. I mean, you guys know it in chat. Drop us in chat what society would be like if everyone listened to the Alex show. I mean, it just let us know. Let us know how we are doing. Give us a rating from one to ten. Hopefully, give us above <laughs> a give, seven. If you please. give any less than a ten, we will ban you. So <laughs> don't, don't rate us like Rotten Tomatoes, okay? Because Rotten Tomatoes, in my opinion, is garbage. They're just too critical. Wait, the, what's the point, dude. What's the point? Honestly, think about it. What's the point of critics, anyways? I mean, when people when you think of stupid. a critic, people get people think of critics as jerks. If <laughs> you think about it, like I mean, they kind of are. They're, they're like that one guy like, you don't want to watch a movie. with. Yeah, no, I know. The one guy, <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not going to watch a movie with you because every time I walk in the movie theater, you tell me about every little thing that they did wrong. That's wrong about it. <laughs> yeah, just let me enjoy what I enjoy. Yeah, like literally be your own critic, man. If you like something, you like something. What the heck? No? I mean, know. It's going like, to have... Go ahead. Like I like good is, whiskey. The no? point is that, you Buffalo know... Trace. <laughs> You've been, bro, you've you you you've been drinking a lot lately, man. I mean, I, mean, I see where the fire's coming from. I see where the fire's coming from. The fire? Are you kidding me? Fire. All right. Well, don't, don't, uh, no, drink Buffalo Trace. I, I, I give it my stamp of approval. We are in California, by the way, which means we get absolutely wrecked by fires. Do you remember, like, I think it was three years ago when there were fires just everywhere up and down the state i mean there was a fire in the city of anaheim like yeah we had fires close to me there There were fires in san diego there was fires everywhere. i don't know how i don't know how my house hasn't burned down yet i mean we're like (laughs) literally we're right in the thick of it i mean it's crazy there's just it's all over the place there's catastrophe all over the place and here's another thing people this is probably a this is a theory but it's probably completely all right guys we got another theory chat we got another theory let it type theory in chat for a hundred dollar why the reason why california is so liberal is because there's so many natural so many you know bad natural disasters you know excluding tornadoes and hurricanes but uh there's so many natural disasters that people just lose faith 
And so they turned to the wicked ways. <laughs> I mean, there's droughts and there's fires. I get it. The fires are bad. But... And earthquakes, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I, I okay, I'm not gonna do that. I almost I almost said coronavirus. <laughs> we're staying away. We're staying away. We're getting back to the away. We're gonna try to stay away all from right, the right. extreme. Here we go, here we go. The vocation to marriage, this is Catechism sixteen oh three, is written in the very nature of man and woman as they came from the hand of the creator. Marriage is not a merely human institution, despite the many variations it may have undergone through its centuries in different cultures, societal structures, and spiritual attitudes. These differences should not cause us to forget its common and permanent characteristics. Although the dignity of this institution is not transparent everywhere with the same clarity, especially in the United States, some sense of the greatest greatness of the matrimonial union exists in all cultures. The well-being of the individual person and of both human and Christian society is closely bound with the healthy state of married life. That's a big statement. Um... <laughs> Cyclops here around put theory in chat. Thank you, Cyclops. Yeah, theory, let's, go. let's go. But here's our theory regarding marriage, and it comes from the catechism. It's the yeah, the good of the individual person and of human and Christian society is closely bound up with married life. And um yeah, I mean this is a, a huge issue. It is seven o'clock. <laughs> and this is a huge issue. Um I mean, we know that children who grow up in single parent homes are more likely to be violent, to have difficult times in life and whatever else. Like there's, there's something bound up in, in human nature that, and in human society that you need mother and father raise you and you need them to be supportive. And, and there's all sorts of different ways parenthood, you know, ends up being played out. But um, those are, it's necessary for the children because it takes a long time and a lot of care and a lot of energy to make, you know, your children into well-functioning people or at least guide them in that path you know they can they can obviously reject that with their own free will but being parents is a very important and needs to be preserved and encouraged institution marriage needs to be preserved and it needs to be seen as being you know um it needs to be guarded against attacks of let's say you know divorce and remarriage being completely prevalent or so I, I've recently read Brave New World by Algis Huxley. Fantastic book. But the first three chapters, have you read it actually? I've read a little bit of it. You know, like the first three chapters are them walking through like the fertilization centers. Do you remember this? So, I mean, in this dystopian future world, like 500 years from now, they've completely abolished marriage in the family because it causes so much what they call social instability. Yeah. Because it's 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 an institution that's beyond the state's control, right? The the parenthood and family life and whatever else. And so everything is everyone is born by uh by petri dish fertilization and they and then and then they get sent to the social predestiner who gives them their, their particular class. They're either either the highest is alpha plus, they're given all the intellectual abilities, the physical abilities, all sorts of stuff. There's regular alpha, there's gamma, there's, and it goes all the way down. And then there's epsilon who are purposely mentally challenged and, and whatever else. And they're like the lowest cast in society and they do their other jobs. This for Huxley is the total dystopian because dystopian image, because like even the term mother, the idea that you could have a mother is like 
a it's like a, a an obscene word that makes you cringe that makes people cringe that someone could actually be a mother and it's it's really interesting to like get into this whole society that views parenthood married life exclusivity as being something completely insane right and one of the main characters in the book um is on this savage reservation where they keep people in pre current civilization times where people actually get married and they fight each other and they do all this stuff. And then the, the people from actual civilization come and like observe them and kind of like laugh at them. Right. And, uh, it's just such a, that, that is the dystopian future that all these divorce and remarriage, free love, contraceptives, abortion, uh, having babies in petri dishes and cloning and all this other type of stuff. It seems like Huxley was right, and that is what these derivations from deviations of married life and parenthood or whatever, they're tending towards that dystopian future where parenthood is abolished, families are abolished, everything's in you know petri dish fertilization. We're obviously not at that point yet, <laughs> But that's what he never sees. will get to that point. Amen. But that's what he sees, right? And the catechism saying here, um, it's necessary to the well-being of human and Christian society that married life and family life be preserved and protected and encouraged. Well, it has to be. I mean, but like that's the if you think about it, the foundation of society. I mean, literally, it's the you know people come from a family. There's always some. There's no person that's born that doesn't have you, a mother. Can you imagine Huxley's scenario that you don't, basically, right? Everyone has just been made according to, you know, in, in this machine, basically, of doctors and a hospital, but no mother, no father. You're completely taken away from the whole parenthood thing. You're raised by the state, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's all, uh, it's all, uh, you know, illusion. I mean, if you think about it, it's like, it, it's something that, it's the worst possible uh, outcome. It's like it's the corrupted part of the family, you know, uh, you know, of the of, you know, growing up at home. It's. There's people. Uh, my dad has told me stories of of people that he's met and where they were abused at home. Hmm. They were severely abused. And he would told me this one person one time uh, said that my dad used to beat me all the time. And when he died, I wasn't sad. I wasn't sad about it. I mean, there's so many stories like that in the United States and all over the world. And to get to that point where your father dies and you're not even sad about it because of all the things that he did to you while you were younger, to some extent that's justified. I mean, there may be people that feel like that because um, it's just a route that was taken that they didn't want to go down and uh, you know, unfortunately let out like that. But the problem is, is that we, we cannot, you know, especially in the United States, the, you know, the leader of the free world, our country, the freest country in the world, the greatest country in the world, we cannot have the family disappear. We cannot have them. That is the foundation of our society is the family. Hmm. That's the foundation. Like you said, in, a couple podcasts ago that's the liberal agenda is to destroy the family that's the core of it and if that happens then it's anarchy and so you know we can't have that happen you just can't do it and so and that's the argument i mean 
I'm ready to get banned. I'm sure everyone's going to send this to Twitch admins, but that's the reason like gay marriage should be opposed is because it's not a marriage and it doesn't the reason we're trying to preserve real marriage is because it produces children and it ne- we need that bond between a man and a wife to have these children be raised in that permanent institution where the children could be protected and parented and um and obviously that's not possible in these homosexual homes at least not naturally and then um, you know you have these like surrogate families and whatever it just gets we need to protect and preserve and encourage marriage and the marital institution and this sexual devi- deviancy, regardless of whether it's genetic and uh, are you predisp- dispos- uh, predisposed to homosexual life? Are they born this way? Whatever they choose it. Regardless of any of that, we as a society need to protect marriage and the family because of the children and because it it, beca- it is a foundation to what society really is. We don't protect it. Like the next generation is going to be messed up and then they won't protect the institution. And then will there even be a next generation, right? Like there's so much wrapped into this and people who can be hurt. And so that has to be taken into account when we're talking about homosexual marriage and all this other stuff, which by the way, has completely flipped within like 10 years, like Obama back in 2008, even Obama was like, no, we're not, we're not going for homosexual marriage. And then, and now if you even discuss it in a negative light, you can just be canceled all across the board, whatever public life you have, apart yeah, from your job, whatever. Well, you know, I was on Facebook the other day, and you know, by the way, this is why I almost never engage in political discussions on Facebook, is because it, it just wears me out. There's people that can argue all day. I'm not one of those people. It just wears <laughs> me out if it, you know, if it goes. I can't do it. Ame one- used to do it a bunch. Remember Ame? Yeah, it. it's too much, but. I saw this Facebook post the other day from a person that went to my high school and he was basically, you know, he's homosexual and he said, Oh, you know, this is my, it was a guy and you know, this is my boyfriend and I'm so happy and love is love. I'm just thinking to myself, that is the pinnacle of the misunderstanding of true love in society. That's the pinnacle it is a young person, a young male like that in love with another man, a boy has a boyfriend or whatever. That is, first of all, that is not love is love. Your sexuality is, it's misordered. It's not ordered. You know, true love is love. When you say that, that means between man and a woman. That's true love, right? That's true love. And love between a man and a man is feelings. It's feelings. It's, you know, you, okay, let's say people have, you know, just a, a disorder where they have, you know, they can't help having feeling towards another person. That doesn't mean that they have to act on it, though. You know, act, enter into an actual marriage, I guess, between, you know, two people that are the same sex. And you can have feelings like that, but you you just can't, you can't act on it. You can't do it. I mean, that's killing marriage it's killing the family it's killing the union between a man and a woman and i just i'm just looking at this facebook post and i just it it just shows me how how misinformed people are they get lost in the, these worldly desires they get lost in i mean they don't understand what beauty is they don't understand what truth is they don't understand what goodness is they don't understand any of that and it's, it's because it's not of part that, of it. It's all just it's feeling. It's, hey, it's and going back to what Poder Greptal says, it's based it's, on feeling good. 
It's based on feeling good. It's and the problem and the problem is is that that concept of feeling good is a huge problem in society today. It's huge. I mean, that's if you can you can basically say that's the root of all our problems. If you think about it. And so it's us not having control of our feelings. It's us not having control of our desires. We have to have control of our desires. If we don't, society's a mess. And we're seeing that. You know, for a young guy that's 21 years old who says love is love towards another man, it's not. And that's the simple basic fact. People can deny it all they want, but it's not. You know, love is love means, you know, man and woman. And that's just, it's a problem that we, we just can't figure out. I mean, you know, you know, I like what the catechism says on it. Um, they classify homosexuality, obviously, between men or women who experience an exclusive or pro- predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. Um, homosexual acts are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act to the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstance can they be approved. However, they also say the number of men and women who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. This inclination, which is objectively disordered, constitutes for them, most of them, a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. These people are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, unite their sacrifice to the Lord's cross, um, and they are called to chastity by the virtues of self-mastery. They teach them inner freedom. At times, by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. Now, this is the the first part of this whole situation, right? Go to good old Jimmy Martin, uh, the priest, the Jesuit priest who wrote his Building the Bridge book, in which he basically said everything but I completely approve homosexual acts. He said everything as as close as he possibly could to saying. Basically, accept people as they are and accept their tendencies and not really tell them that it's wrong and, and perhaps whatever else. That's how it comes off, right? You don't, you don't tell them this first part, which is the acts are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual act of the gift of life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. Under no circumstances can they be approved. And he basically says, we're not going to go to combat with you to say that they're not approved. Now it's we we've gone the whole spectrum. Basically, people have done the same thing they've said with. Okay, well, uh, there's there's so many different ways to take this, but well, okay, homosexual people were discriminated against before unjustly. They were unjustly shunned from society in different ways. Okay, now that's debatable in very many ways, but now in order to reciprocate those unjust. Un- injustices now it's completely hateful for you to say anything that is against right if you if you say they're intrinsically disordered you're obviously saying hate speech and want this peanut welcome he says konnichiwa you magnificent bastards has father jimmy martin been brought up yet i just mentioned him want this peanut well welcome to the stream glad to see you here (laughs) glad to see you he has been brought up we just brought him up, and I was just basically saying he's done everything. We just read from the catechism. He has done everything he can to approve of homosexual marriage and homosexual acts besides 
explicitly saying that. <laughs> if you go and ask, if I went and asked that guy, his name is Baron Willages. If I went and asked Baron, what is natural law? I guarantee you he wouldn't have a clue of what I was saying. And it's like, I mean, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> people, these young people that are doing this, they have no, first of all, they have no idea what they're doing. They're, everything is based off of feelings. You think that a true marriage is based off of feelings? No, no, it's not based off of feelings. It's based off of true dedication, hard work, and sacrifice, and the communal love between a man and a woman. I mean, feelings are present, right? right? But they're not. Feelings um, are present, but it's not ultimate. like it's not ultimate. Yeah, they're present, but it's not ultimate. And so, and I mean, we shouldn't neglect the feelings part of this as well. Now, I think today, yeah, obviously, we don't today. Neglect- yeah. Today, like no one would neglect them because it's so prominent. Now, in ages past, you may think of like, uh, you know, these it would be looked for. It would look be it would be looked down upon. You know, fifty years ago, or whatever. I well, mean, I mean, you go back to like middle ages, like you just had political marriages or whatever. You'd be like, well, there's no feeling and all this type of stuff. I mean, and 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 it was just kind of assumed there's going to be feeling, you know, there. Now, now we're on the opposite spectrum where in modernity everything's about the feelings, right? All these princess stories and everything is about. And uh, and whatever else is the, um, you know, the whole falling in love aspect of it without the permanence, without the, you know, societal, uh, without the impact this has on children, without all sorts of stuff. Right. It's it's totally, you know, the feeling aspect of it now. Um, yeah. Want this peanut says getting each other to heaven. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. <laughs> is that, you know, could that even be a possibility? You know, you should just say to that person, OK. You know, you're in love with this man and you're a man. Is your goal to get him to get heaven? And if they they say, oh, what does that even mean? And, and, you know, something that people pointed out, like, what percentage of, let's say, these uh, of active homosexuals actually want the permanence and exclusivity of what they think is homosexual marriage or whatever else? Like, most of the lifestyle is, it doesn't, most, (laughs) generally, it's not usually just an exclusive thing. there's, there's a lot of different partners and whatever else. And there's like, that's why there's like communities of gay people in different places and whatever else. And so in, anyways, it's just, it's the whole marriage push that we had in this country. What was this? I don't even know how many years ago it was, but I was actually in New York this time last year and it was for, oh, you know what it is? It's gay pride month this month. Wow. I'm, I'm proud of sin. We're, our society is proud of sin. Um, no, no, no. It was June. June was gay pride month, not July. Guys in chat can that let us know. Want month. this peanut can let us know. That, I mean, that we have a month. Not only is it not only month. is it Pride Month, but it if you say anything to the contrary, you are a hateful person. You have hate speech and whatever else. And um, so now here's another thing: people will accuse Christians of being overly preoccupied with the issue, and I think that that can be, let's say, a genuine criticism. But um, that's false. I think it's yeah. I think it's completely false. It's not that we're overly pre. Christians are not overly preoccupied. We're not overly preoccupied. We're we're saying it's. We don't have a reason the, to be. Overly it's the issue. It's the issue of not being able to even teach Christian doctrine in the public square anymore without being completely. That's yeah. Uh, I mean, destroyed. that's the problem. I mean, that's true. And and we've gotten to the point where you know even if we go out and try to do that. We're going to be frowned upon. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be shunned. And you know what? I love that. I love it. When I go around and I wear my Make America Great Again hat, I'm, I'm, I'm okay if people get offended by that. I will go around everywhere because 
speaking truth, man. Get that Connor left in there. Another Connor left. Hit, you know, hit him with that natural law. Hit them with that Aquinas. Here's your eternal law knockout. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so we got to. I'm just telling you. Look, this stuff we have to do. We have to do this. We cannot bow down to the evil ways of the world. We just can't do it. You can't do it anymore. And if we want to change society, people have to stand up and do the right thing. And we have people doing that, but we don't have it enough. And this is the reason why we need the young generation to stand up. I mean, we have people that are older, you know, public figures in society that do stand up for the good thing for the, for the good. Um, But we need more young people doing this. I mean, if I just walk around the streets of San Francisco or Los Angeles, I'm not going to, you're not going to see people wearing Trump hats. You're not going to see people wearing, you know, Christian artifacts or whatever, you know, like a you'd have an acai bowl thrown at you. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just the, it's just the problem. I mean, we don't have people standing up for the good anymore. Like we've lost that. And well, we've gotten to the point where to, well, I mean, we've been at this point for a while, so this is not news. This is, you can't disagree, right? You can't disagree publicly because, and, and here's the thing. And, and I think the term weaponized compassion, I think is a very, I, I think gets to part of this. It's, it's also a compassion, not for your, it's not that you're upset. It's that you're upset that other people might be upset, right? Yeah. At the fact of us, it. Can, why? Sh- okay. Here's my big thing. Why should the Catholic Church, why should we care about negative feelings toward the church? Like, why should we care about, in general, why should we care about people's feelings? I mean, we should I mean, we expect should, them I mean, to want to persecute us. Yeah, right? we should ex- and, yeah. and we're expecting the opposite, which is, and that's the problem, is expecting. And, and I talked about this with, with regards to apologetics. You know, we did our apologetic seminars for a long time, the Veritas apologetic seminars. And I'm like, look. When when we would do the we would do these things sixty second replies you would have sixty seconds it was called an elevator response and then somebody would give a scenario it'd be like okay my uncle's getting married to his boyfriend of a long time and I'm going to the marriage now you have sixty seconds to respond and it was tough you know it's tough to respond ethic position in sixty seconds but you you don't have time to anticipate all the objections. And, th- and this is something that ends up happening with people is they anticipate all the objections. You just think, well, if I, if I started about homosexuality, I need to say, well, I'm not trying to be a bigot. Well, blah, 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 and just like list all these defensive qualities about yourself, anticipating all the objections. Just provide the Catholic position. Just provide and put homosexual- yourself out there. You just the put truth. homosexual acts are contrary to the natural law. Uh, I don't approve of, you know, the church does not approve of them. I think we need to protect real marriage and the real institution of marriage and not recognize something that's false. Now, nothing in that is just being defensive, like, oh, back away, back away, back away. Like, they're already for that, what you believe, trying to attack you. So why not just stand up and say, this is what I believe without having an an apologetic character to it? Apologetic in apologizing sense. We're all, yeah, no, you're, you're so right. The problem, another problem today in society is that we have this mentality towards, we ha- we want to appeal to their feelings. We want to appeal to, okay, so, oh, I said something wrong. I'm sorry. Or I said something that may you may not like. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry for anything. Put your position forward. 
speak spit truth in their face. You heard it here first, guys. Do not be sorry for anything. Yeah. Kellen and Alex don't, show. Don't why why would you feel why would you feel sorry for another person if they're doing the wrong thing? I mean, I, I mean, I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, you should okay, you should feel sorry. okay, you should feel to some extent hope that they get better. But why, you should Wait, wait, no, I think you're right. Why should you feel sorry for someone else doing the wrong thing and Wait, wait, and not try and call them out on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't feel sorry for somebody if they were being unrepentant, like if they didn't have a mindset to change. I would feel to some extent sorrow for them, you know, if yeah. they were trying to be better, but they just couldn't. You, you know what I mean? But well, this peanut says you're digging yourself into a hole, buds. All right, well, look, look, look here. Want this peanut? All right, there's no hole here. There's we are just trying to say. You have to speak the truth. You, you have to can't, speak the truth. That's what we're trying to say. To want this it. peanut? We're trying to speak the truth. And here's the truth. Want this peanut? What, what's the truth? I will die if I have to to speak the truth in society. I will die for my freedoms in America. I will speak the truth. If it happens, it happens. But will you? Will you take the public martyrdom of being look. canceled online? Being your whole, you know, I mean. Okay, take for example what they did to General Flynn recently with the Russian hoax, right? And they, they took him and they made him perjure himself because they were going to prosecute his family and his sons and whatever else. And he didn't do anything wrong and he got martyred on, you know, whatever else. You look at this Sacramento Kings uh, announcer who totally got canceled because he said all lives matter. He didn't even say anything against Black Lives Matter. You got anyone online who doesn't support the movement. Or anyone who publicly says, you know, I don't support this whole Black Lives Matter nonsense. I don't support the tearing down of statues. Well, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe. And we've talked numerous times about how in America, the propaganda machine works upon certain terms that have dubious definitions that are weaponized terminology. Terrorist was one I pointed out, such a dubious term as to what a terrorist is. And it gets just thrown around. And now racist, bigot, homophobe. All sorts of other things are just like, if our conversation, you know, if we actually had 10,000 viewers, which rest in peace, we don't, they all died, uh, coronavirus. Um, but if we did, and we said the things that we did instantly, we would no longer have an, an online presence. We would no longer. And in fact, people would dox us. They would whatever else. Okay. So I saw, I know I'm ranting. I saw a video. Please rant more. We need more ranting in this country. Look, I saw a video this morning and it, there was a lady must've been like forties, whatever in detroit it wasn't like bad part of detroit it was like suburb somewhere and she was holding a gun pointing at somebody and that's where the video started she said no you need to go you need to go you're threatening me whatever else she got in the car and the video ended and this video went viral and because it was a black lady and the white lady was holding the gun now that video got huge release and everyone saw it and everyone saw it and everyone saw it the full video got released and these two people had been harassing this lady for like five minutes and had been saying all this type of violent stuff to her. And she went to her car and said, I need to leave and pulled out a gun. And she was being threatened and held the gun to them and said, I'm leaving now. And that's how the, the whole video went, right? But we're in this age where you can take a clip of something and then the entire world somehow knows about this particular clip. And then you're completely destroyed. You're, you're and we're in a weird age. We're at a very, very, Weird age. One of this peanut says, you should pity the sinner, but you should also feel sorry, some sorrow for the unrepentant. Uh, yes, you should pity the sin- sinner. You should feel some sorrow for the unrepentant. Fair enough, but you have to speak the truth about regarding their sin, not out of just for, and the, you're cor- 
you're absolutely right. You can't excuse the behavior of the unrepentant. You have to bring it to light. Um, and, and obviously you need prudence in the way in which you do it. Um, but I, I think the fact now is if you don't accept somebody in their sin, then uh, you are you're an, a hateful person. Well, it's like, it's, it's just like you said, I mean, if we don't accept, if we don't accept all the circumstances, then we become people that are hateful. Like if we don't accept everything that's going on, that's like basically taking a shot at judgment. I mean, basically saying what is right and wrong. You have, people are basically saying you have to accept wrong in this society to not be shunned. Yep. I mean. Like literally, and you have to publicly profess it, it as right. It, you have to put, yeah. And so it's like people. It's gotten to the point. America people are gotten, canceling Facebook for not censoring Trump. Yeah, it's literally. It's gotten to this point where people are saying you have to accept the wrong thing. It's li- It's like it's a complete contrary concept to logic. I mean, it's gotten so bad that it's literally reversing logic. I mean, it's authoritarian. It's ultimately authoritarian. Authoritarian. The leftist idea is communism. It's they're communists. I mean, like they're publicly communist. I mean, they say it like the Black Lives Matter guys are like we are unashamedly Marxist. Black Lives Matter. The whole Black Lives Matter movement. They there was some gathering in in I believe a state in the Midwest of Black Lives Matter people, and they said you cannot join our movement unless you're black. That just happened like today or something. There's a and subreddit then, called uh, Black People Twitter. And you can't post on there unless you're black. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and what about, I think my dad just told me earlier, he said that today in Minneapolis, they vote, people voted on like. Defunding the police. This, 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 yeah. Defunding the police or something or disbanding them. I mean. You know, de Blasio defunded the New York police department by a billion dollars. People are just, it's all fueled by hatred and rage it's that's what it's fueled by those people don't even it's, care it's about whipped up emotion and rage no i understand people, like the george floyd thing whatever it was really bad we did a podcast on it we've done a podcast on it okay you, you can go back and watch what our thoughts were we saw the video video doesn't tell everything but it tells a whole lot right we didn't see the lead up we tried to find the lead up to the point where the neck but the neck thing obviously it was no there's no excuse for that these men went to jail and they're being processed and whatever else how this ended up with Unipro Sarah's statue in San Francisco being ripped down, right? This is this is a it's a weaponizing of emotions beyond you know anything we've ever seen. In in Huxley's dystopian universe, uh there there's a place called the Bureau of Propaganda and College of Emotional Control. And uh <laughs> or emotional engineering is what they call it. But I feel like that's exactly what the media is now is the Bureau of Control and Emotional Engineering. I think there's an emotional engineering that comes with these short clips and these short videos and these little things. And, oh, look, that cop did something here. And now I understand there's, there's, you know, injustices in some of these that, you know, need to be dealt with. But having an overwhelming media instant presence or whatever, we're just in a brand new age where everyone can be, um, Everyone could be enraged online all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden you're you're doing you're tearing down crap in your local city. It's like it's it's a whipping up of emotion to get a certain response. Well, it's also a lack of uh, knowledge on the situation. I mean, people 
people aren't even able, half of these people aren't even able to think for themselves. They just go off of what other people are doing. So their, their judgment is lacking. Yep. They, they're not thinking clearly. And, uh, that's, <laughs> that's the problem is that we don't have people that are properly educated to actually think about these things. Okay. It's okay. If we have like in my town, there were people peacefully protesting, holding up signs that said black lives matter. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with somebody peacefully protesting that. But when you have people that are tearing down statues, that are rioting and looting, that are killing people, by the way, black cops have been killed by this. It's not just white cops. There have been black cops killed. So, I mean, what the hell do you say to that? And um, it's just it, it, people, it's a lack of good judgment. People, there's no more, there's no more individual people thinking about what they should actually do for themselves. It's just everybody following everybody else. Yep. I'm gonna everyone's on, this is the thing that really gets me is everyone's on pin and needles to say the right thing, right? You're in a corporation or whatever else. You don't tow the party line. You just be canceled. Your, your family can be, uh, you know, your address can be doxxed and you can have people show up at your house and like threaten you and all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's just such a weird, the fact that we have such instantaneous, you know, this, little thing gets spread all throughout like that the lady who had to pull a gun on the other lady you know and and if you watch the if the you watch the entire video she was being physically threatened and it was you know a necessary thing but like the one um that one thing got overwhelmingly just that one little clip the little short clip of the lady holding the gun and you know seemingly unjustly like why do you need to hold a gun we didn't have the why but that lady now, her whole presence is online. Millions of people have seen that clip. And who knows what her, her life looks like now? Like if she's been, like her coworkers probably saw it or, you know, family members or whoever else. Like it's the fact that we can have these repercussions extrajudicially where the media and all of society just wants to cancel you overnight. You take the Sacramento Kings guy. Do you think anyone's going to hire him to be an announcer again? For one I mean, tweet, one tweet, all lives matter. It's, it, like, how is he going to, let's say, recover from the cancel culture is an extrajudicial system to destroy certain individuals who don't toe the party line. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you have people that support one thing, people that support the other. But the problem is that some people get so offended that there should not. Here's the thing. They're not offended for themselves either. They're offended. It's not like they're personally offended. They're offended for yeah. like somebody else right peter craved had a good term where he 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 described it in the inverse of telescopic philanthropy it's where things that you think things that are really far away seem like they're really up close so you, you really care about being loving towards the really far away things but the person mm -hmm. who's like your neighbor you 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 can't love at all it's like you're looking through the opposite end of the telescope things mm -hmm. that are far away you know and i think it's the same it's the same thing you yourself aren't really offended by someone saying you know, someone slipping up and saying the N-word or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. whatever. Like, I'm not really offended, but there could be somebody who would be. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to be emotionally charged now for the particular person who would possibly yeah. be hurt by this, yeah. which is a total judicial nonsense, right? Yeah. The the plaintiff has a charge against the, def you know, the, the defendant. Like, it's, that's how the, the system works. And if there's no charge to be made, if you're not the one who's charging, you can't just make a case on behalf of somebody else for whatever else. Like, That's it's true. Just, yeah. It's a it's, weird situation where I'm not really offended, 
but someone could be, therefore you should be canceled. Yeah. Well, first of all, no, no, I have a feeling the reason why Grant Napier, the guy who the announcer for the Sacramento Kings got fired is because he was, you know, the Sacramento's in California. I have a feeling that's the reason why he got fired is because he was in such a liberal state like that. He was in Texas. Wouldn't happen. If it wasn't, I guarantee you, if he was in Texas, that wouldn't have happened. I guarantee it. And you know what? No person should be fired, especially a man with his, like with his credentials and what he's been announcing for. The he's been doing it for forever, time. right? He's been doing it forever. No man should be fired from his job like that for saying all lives matter. If you're saying all lives matter, you're saying black lives matter. I mean, you're literally saying my life matters and your life matters. That's the technical definition of all lives matter. It, it means black lives matter and it means white lives matter. The problem is that people get so offended when you say all lives matter because they just think that you're targeting white people and they don't really, or, you know, that you're saying black lives matter too, but you're not putting so much emphasis on that like you should. Have you heard, have you ever heard of the, you know, the, something called the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Liberty and justice but, but Helen, for all. But you don't understand. Say, this whole system is set up by the white hegemony to disproportionately dispossess the minority I mean, populations, it, it including the African-Americans. It, it doesn't say for, with liberty and justice for whites. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say with liberty and justice for blacks. It doesn't say that. It says when liberty with liberty and justice for all. So not just targeting one specific group. I mean, people don't people fundament, fundamentally do not understand American history, and that's the reason. It's the big problem with society right now. <laughs> it's, it's just it, it, liberty and justice for all people. Give me a break. I mean, one this peanut has that? something good here. How do we respond to people co-opting Bible verses like the parable of the good shepherd for Black Lives Matter? Okay, I, I, I guess I'm guessing one this peanut. There's a specific okay. case you're talking about here. I'd okay, love to see so, it if you can right. drop a link. So right, Jesus. So one sheep goes astray. Jesus is going to go find that sheep, and you know what? That's something that we have to do. We have we're in this together. We have to work. The reason why we're having all these problems is because we're not working together, and we. I mean, it's just, we don't, we don't have a solution right now. We don't know how to fix this. We have to come together and work this out. The problem is, is that we can't exactly work with people that are violent and killing people and, you know, looting public property, like statues and all these things. How can I work with those people? I can't go out there and stand on top of the statue with a big, you know, what do you call those? Microphone? Oh, megaphone? Megaphone and just say, hey, everybody, calm down. You know, all lives matter because the people get triggered. <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. It's not going to work. What am I going to do? We <laughs> People. Ha- well, this peanut said he's sending me a snapshot. Need, so people need to calm down in this country. People need to come to their senses. <laughs> people need to call. It's, well, I mean, well they, they may get the 10 year uh, prison sentence at the federal level because of Trump's executive order. If they start tearing down Abraham Lincoln statues. If I was the president, if I saw that, if all those people that participate in that stuff, I'd deport all of them. 
them the hell out of this country. I think deport that's lenient. Where? It's not they're illegal I, Deport them somewhere else. I don't know. Get them the hell out of this country. Deport them to the Seattle uh, Cha Zone or whatever. <laughs> there. You could like, or deport you them, could just you know, send them all to that downtown Seattle area, you know? If you tear down a I statue, get, you get 10 years in the Seattle D, you know, what is it? The, uh, <laughs> the zone in Seattle. <laughs> the people that are doing this have no respect for our president. They have no respect for our country. They have no respect for law and order. They have no respect for freedom because it's a corrupted freedom to them. They have no respect for anything. They're just fueled by hatred and rage. How do you stop something like that? How do you, what, what do you do? I can't just go out. I'm, people have guns. I'll, I'll get Here's shot. The thing. Here's it's the like thing it's... is these, these people who are our age who have gone to, by the way, UCs, <laughs> And gone to all these other like major public institutions where they've been indoctrinated with Marxist ideology, gender politics, racial ideology, where they basically say the the postmodern critique is that everything is these different power games and racial wars. And so all of society is constructed in certain ways that profit only certain groups. Right. So America has been set up in such a way that it only profits the original nativist Americans, which is dubious already because it's like white Americans. What are you talking about? Like Irish and Italian and German and early Americans before the wasps of white American Sacks, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, like the wasp or the original like American nativist, you have the nativist movement. And this goes back to like, people don't understand history, like Italians and Irish, when they first came to New York, they were definitely discriminated against, right? They were kept in their own areas, whatever. You didn't even speak the Italians, English. And, there was no Italian lives matter that got them all the way to, you know, <laughs> making pizza so prominent all across the U.S. <laughs> like the American dream is we provide a system that allows for this. Now, African-Americans are a special case because they didn't come here freely. They came here through slavery and we're only 150 years removed. So there is a lot of progress that needs to be made with regards to so the way you know a capitalistic system works is you have people who have a certain amount of wealth. That wealth increases over time, and that stays generationally. And so you can see if you you start from zero, which is slavery and sharecropping, it may take people longer times to accumulate that wealth and whatever. Maybe there's a disproportion. Okay, genuine concerns with genuine whatever. Now, how does that equate to tearing down statues of Abraham Lincoln? Now, people will say, oh, well, this is you know, a general movement to show that we need whatever else. Well, how, how about how about this? Stop voting for Democrats. Thank who, you. Who want your children aborted, who want your families to remain, you know, disjointed, right? And that's one of the biggest, the biggest, you know, going back to the catechism that society needs marriages and families to succeed for people to succeed. So if you want to play this whole postmodern critique of racial groups and whatever else, how about you focus on families and how about we encourage African-American families to be strong, united and make children who are and, and form children who are ready to, um, you know, take on the world and whatever else. And, and it's the American system is imperfect, like every system. And like we've said before, this is no perfect society or whatever else. And understandably, different people have different difficulties they have to go through. And um, we need to address those. But now, you want to go back to this, like, okay, well, the Democrats, the whole process is you are in a difficult situation and you need the government to solve your problem and you need Democrats to solve your problem. That's not an American way of doing things. That's not any. Now, there is certain, we need to encourage African-American families and progress and whatever else. And like, but the the Democratic 
the Democrat, what, what's now become the leftist play, playbook and the Marxist playbook is you are so disproportionately discriminated against, it's impossible for you to make any progress, which is just untrue. According to the it's completely system. false. The, pro- the reason why we're having And then you're going problems. to entrust Democrats to solve that for you. Yeah. This, Look. This, um, now, there, there's different difficulties. You can't deny that. There's different difficulties for different groups and depending on who you are, but the American system provides the best opportunity you can for that. And why would you vote a Democrat to solve all your problems? The problem, the, here, here's, your, here's your answer. Simple, it's as simple as this. People vote Democrat. Okay, let's say you vote for a Democrat. All right, you're voting for somebody that supports homosexuality, is pro-abortion, and you wonder why America's having such problems. You think that's going to solve it? First of all, okay, you support, we'll take abortion. You support abortion. Okay, you vote for somebody that supports abortion. Do you have any idea the trauma that many women have after they have an abortion? The trauma and the hell that they go through because of that action. You want to help build the, you, you think that you're going to elect a Democrat and, and he's going to help the, fa- you know, help the family. That totally ruins the family. You vote for somebody who allow, you know, supports abortion. You're literally voting for somebody who's going to destroy the family. Yeah, exactly. Vote for, you vote for it. The mother gets traumatized. Therefore, she can't lead her family in the right way. If she, you know, she still has children. You're, you're stupid. You're, <laughs> you're voting for people that are completely destroying America. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. You're voting for somebody who supports homosexuality. Okay, so you really want a family to experience the true love that a family should have, but you're voting for uh, somebody who supports the same couple having a union. How about voting for somebody who supports man and woman together in marriage? That's way better, a hell of a lot better than same-sex marriage. I mean, and you're voting for, you know, you're voting for people that just have no idea. You're voting for people that have no idea how society should function. That's the problem. They don't understand how society needs to work. They don't get that. They're voting for things that completely mess up society. And therefore, if you vote for Democrats, have you noticed that none of the Democrat senators have come out at all of any of this stuff? Nobody's talking at all. And you know why? First of all, because they want this stuff to keep oh, going. AOC and these guys are talking about stuff. But. There's nobody on the Democratic side that's come out significantly and, and condemned all this action. No, no one. Yeah. Not, not there's regard. nobody. Do you want to know why there's nobody doing that? First of all, because let's be honest, they, they don't, you know, first of all, they aren't saying anything because they want Joe Biden to, you know, keep it quiet. They don't want Joe Biden getting into any of this because they know that he's, they know that he's going to screw up. And he's going to say something stupid like he always does. You ain't he's a, black. <laughs> he's a, you ain't, okay, there you go. There's your best. You That's all. The, the fact that he wasn't uh, canceled. Guys, we have 15 minutes left. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, please drop don't, stuff in chat. Please drop stuff for in Democrats yeah, if no, you want the country to actually be you know, ordered. Here's the playbook. If you want okay, order in this the country, argument. don't vote for him. <laughs> here's the argument. The Democrats, so the society has been so corrupted that it is totally in its legal institutions and it's it's because commercial of because of its corporations and everything else is systemically trying to suppress and trying to destroy any prospects of any type of min- minorities because it's set, set up by a white hegemony and also set up by 
um, male dominance. It's set up by all sorts of different things. And therefore, you should entrust your future prospects not to you working within that system, but rather the total um, revolution of that system through either elected officials who will, you know, take out all the wrath on the wealthy and the, you know, the white hegemony to distribute that wealth in a Marxist sense to others, or you're going to take to the streets and violently protest until that revolution takes place. And you're also going to cancel everyone else who doesn't agree with your agenda and your rules because that's the same because they're using violence to oppress you within the system. The violence is justified against them to overturn them. It's true. It's it's all violence. It's it's violent oriented to, to get their well, point across. They're saying the system like- is violent in its in its uh in its uh attack on um not allowing African Americans to progress in American prosperity. They can't take part in it because it's systemic against them. I just have such a problem with, you know, this systematic oppression. It's like you're basically saying all white people are hateful towards black people. That's what they're saying. That's that's the, like, the essence of it is that regardless of what you publicly say, the postmodern critique is you can't help but root for white society and what you believe American reality should be. And part of that American reality is the the subservience of the African-American population to a white majority hegemony. And that we can, you know, if, if, if black people become prosperous and a great power, they're going to somehow dispossess the, the true, you know, national that that's, a, a, is what it is at the heart of the violence and the cancer culture and everything else is this postmodern idea of everyone is in competing racial gender Teams, groups, tribal leaderships that all are clashing and hitting all the time, using their own terminology and language and systems and corporations and businesses and whatever else. They're all at war and in competition. And because it's because the system is set up in a violent way, violence is justified to overturn that system. I mean, it's just, it's just I have a problem when they say the the entire system is based off of violence. I mean, like that's my problem is. Okay, you can say, look, there are cops in the United States that do use excessive use of force. And that is a prime example of what that police officer did to George Floyd. The majority of police officers in this country are good police officers that put their lives on the line every single day for your safety, for your freedom. So for you to say that the entire system, for the systematic oppression, this this entire thing all these you're basically saying all white cops are hateful i mean you're literally you're literally saying to they're people they're saying that they are saying that uh, are you stupid i mean i mean you you seriously think if you seriously think that i don't know what to tell you it's it's called indoctrination i mean, I mean that's what they're that is what they are taught in college that's what in they're the university. taught they're taught they're taught to okay they're taught to, you know, oppose so, so here's here's the playbook. Systematic oppression. They're taught to oppose these things. Okay, well, if you say that, then you're opposing all the good cops. You're here's opposing the all these good cops. Do you do you want? Tell me why anybody in their right mind would want to defund the police. Tell me anybody in their right mind that would want to do that. They they want anarchy. 
It's a pre want, yes, it's a precursor it's to an anarchy that leads to a, a a revolution. That's what they're that's what they're intending. That's they're they're not making any bones about it. So this is the playbook of how you get to the point where you view all cops as being racist and you view all white people as being necessary necessarily systemically racist. The playbook is to indoctrinate them in universities with this weaponized compassion with everything systemically racist based on postmodern critique of group identity. And because we all identify with this group versus that group, we're always in competition. We're trying to fight each other and use violence. And then you 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 just make a few key points that have some truth to them, right? Which is, look, you can't deny the fact that African-Americans come from a system of slavery you know, that existed in the United States for a very long time, that we fought a war over, and therefore are in a more unique position and more difficult position in many ways than other, let's say, racial groups in the United States. You, t- you take hey, that as fair. a starting point. You take that as a starting point, but here's where you enter in the ideology part of it is gender politics. Or, sorry, not gender politics, identity politics, rather. And, you, and then you say it's all about, you know, well, you know, and then post that, and then you enter in the postmodern critique of it's all power games. So you say slavery existed and, and you know, affected the black community, and therefore everything is about competition with racial communities. It's like that doesn't prove anything, right? You can't just add that on. You can't just say, well, therefore the whole system's set up in this certain way, right? You're adding on ideology on top of that that isn't based on that particular thing because there's no, like, you have to look, okay, this particular law, this particular thing, this whatever. Now, the the whole goal then is to completely overthrow the whole system to make it overly proportionally in favor of African-Americans and you have to fight for that and whatever else. Now, if there are particular things that are suppressing minorities or whatever, then you fight it in a legal case and with law and with elections, right? But to overturn the whole system as being wrong and evil and whatever else, that's obviously false and way too much. Well, um, guys in yeah. chat, please let us know. We have uh, 10 minutes left to solve all problems of discrimination. But um, if, if black people really cared about this topic, they really cared about this, they would peacefully protest. That's all they would do is peacefully protest and they would push towards police reform. If they really cared about this, that's what they would push towards. You don't push towards violence. You don't do this kind of garbage. The people that do that, like I said, have no respect for anything. They don't even have respect for themselves. And the problem is, is that we have to have people. Yes, police reform is a good thing. We must have that. We should always have that. But the way that people are conducting themselves and doing this is completely wrong. And they get so enraged that they say, oh, look, all white cops are out there. People truly believe that all white cops are out there to get us. People, people truly believe that it's because they come, you know, they're brought up in an education system that twists society in a way that will twist their beliefs. I mean, it, the, you take the UC system, like you said, that is one of the most corrupt systems. Now, the education, let's say, you know, as it comes to education like Education or indoctrination. And, and the, you know, they do have, I don't know, some people will say that compared to Franciscan education, their education is superior because they have all the, you know, these sciences. It makes ours look like potato have, chips, you know? It makes, <laughs> like, oh man, 
That's a long one. Their education makes uh, ours look like potato chips. Where are those lines anymore, Kellen? You got to throw dude, some of them out there for me, dude, man. We, we've been, throw me okay. a bone sometime, man. I will throw you guys a bone, but we're <laughs> in a very serious time right now. We can't joke around too much. We can't much. joke around. The Kellen and Alex show can't joke around. Look how many serious topics we're taking on head on. We're taking on gender identity, politics, and identity politics, everything. We're taking it all on. But um, I, I stopped your yeah. way. Go ahead. We, we have to, you know, the thing is, is we have to push towards police reform, but we can't do it through violence. Violence doesn't solve anything. We need anything. to do it by completely defunding them. That's what we need. That's the, it's, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Why would you want to defund the police? You're literally putting your own life at risk. You're literally saying, anarchy, please come. Please let me have a better chance of getting murdered in my own home by somebody. So, I mean, okay. Where, this where's the whole logic? situation if this was not happening on election year, say this was, why is this happening in 2020? Why? There's been a lot of injustices that have happened, you know, ever since and whatever else. But you have to understand, this is just playing into the political playbook of the Democrat Party who controls the mainstream media with regards to emotional engineering and their Bureau of Propaganda, where they're trying to make all these emotions to make the case Trump is a racist and supports a white We've hegemony and whatever else. And it's somehow, it's getting our old. Lord and Savior, Joe Biden, who you know has his just dazzling speeches and just grand, grandiose, you know, his, his great way of just conveying how, how much he cares, right, for... And, and you know, it's, it really reveals itself in the, in the fact that, like, the Democrats feel as though if there's some type of white man who's their front runner, that somehow they're not going to get the minority vote, that you realize that the postmodern critique is what they're trying to appeal to. Because all these universities and whatever else who have been teaching all of this, it's all about identity politics. Like the Democrats are trying to appeal to that generation of people, usually younger, whatever people who've gone to university. Um, even Rush Limbaugh has talked about it. The fact that you have all these like young, white, wealthy women who have gone to these colleges and come back and like change their family to be completely leftist and whatever. Like it's a common occurrence now that you send your daughter off to school. She gets completely convinced of propaganda and then brings it back and then convinces the family that everyone's systemically racist and all that stuff. Like the Democrats, when they when they don't have a woman or they don't have a minority woman who's representing the people, then therefore they can't really represent. Right. And then Joe Biden saying things like, if you don't vote Democrat, you ain't black. It's like as clear as day, the Democrats think that they are the lords and saviors of all the minorities of the United States of America. And they've done more to destroy minority lives than anyone else. You know, it's sad. They're they're only killing their own chances at Biden becoming a better president. I mean, Joe Biden won't even go out in public and say anything. I mean, it's actually quite sad if you think about it. I almost feel sad for Joe Biden. You know why? I almost feel sad. You almost I feel sad. I almost feel sad. And you know what? By the way, I got to throw in AZ Hillock says, yo, but potato chips are the best. They are the best. Continue, Kellen. Yeah, Tezures. Gotta love those carbs. Um, but Kettle <laughs> chips, pretty good. <laughs> Anyways, you almost feel sorry for Joe Biden, but I almost feel sorry for him, but I don't because of what he stands for. He stands for pure evil. He's an evil human being. He's an evil human being. Let's be honest. His heart, his his heart is full of evil, and that's just the truth. It is. <laughs> it's the truth. Do you think? Do you think him supporting gay marriage and and 
you know, abortion. Do you think that's goodness? No, his heart is full of evil. Let's just call it as it is. I'm not going to feel sorry for somebody like that. He's trying to ruin our country. And he you know seems what? Like an, he just seems like an old guy who's trying to fit in with the times and trying to get elected, who just really does not want to be there. Dude, I don't, you like know, he, he does not want to be there. You know, his overlords, the Clintons and the Obamas and everybody else, they're really the ones who want him to, because they, and here's the grand plan of the Democrats, is they want, they needed somebody to take on Trump. And Bernie was not going to float it because he's not electable because he's a socialist and too many of Americans are not going to buy the socialist idea. But Joe Biden, he's a throwback to the Obama era where everything was hunky-dory, rosy-dozy, and you know the mainstream media loves him and all this stuff. And Joe Biden's been is about as established as you're possibly going to get, about as established as any of these statues are in you know D.C. <laughs> but, anyways, um, so I'm, he's the one. He's their he's their guy, you know. And 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 if you don't, let's say, and if you don't vote just, for him, you're racist. <laughs> correct. Right. And, because um, you the know, Democrats have a stranglehold on destroying the American institution of systemic racism, whatever else. As you know, how they got granted that divine privilege is uh, is beyond me. Beyond me. Um, and then when it's, Trump it's, says stuff like you know black unemployment being the lowest it's ever been, his helping historic black colleges, he's like, look, here's factual stuff, but um, that's not good enough. Uh, I'm I tell you I'm. <laughs> If this country, the United States of America, is dumb enough to vote for somebody who can't even remember in his speeches, all men are created equal, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> there is a speech, there is a speech where Joe Biden, he literally says this, all men are created, you know, uh, the, the, the thing. The thing. He can't, he can't even remember all men are created equal. How can this country vote for somebody who can't even remember all men are created equal? It is eight o'clock. Thank you very much. For that. Guys, if you have any final things to say in chat, please drop them in chat. Please, we are watching chat. Thank you so much. Please for watching. insert. Tell me. I just, I cannot believe this country is so dumb to the point where they will, they will vote for somebody who can't even remember all men are created equal. Are we that, <laughs> are we that stupid? Are we that? I, I I'm losing my mind. I, I must be going crazy. I, I just can't, I can't process it. I can't process how somebody could vote for somebody like that. You have to vote for Trump. You can't vote for Biden. He can, he's bipolar. He has dementia. Can't even think straight. <laughs> he's probably one of the dumbest human beings on this earth right now. He can't even speak English. I mean, he's so messed up in so many different ways. And people will still vote for him because they hate Trump. They don't even like Biden. They just hate Trump. If you can't remember in your speeches all men are created equal, I don't know what to tell you. I'm well, sorry. Well, they're obviously not created equal because somebody with real mental capacities could actually remember that quote. And so, uh, anyways, we have Logan uh, saying here, I'm good just listening. So don't don't feel obligated to say stuff in chat. Just if you don't, you won't get banned. You know, like, if you say stuff... Well, I, okay, I was going to make a joke about that. I'm not <laughs> Anyways, um... I'm just telling the United States, please just be smart. Think about things, right? Just, just use use just, your brain. Just, for once. Use the noggin. Use, use the brain. the uh, reason stifled original sin brain, non regenerated in the, the yeah, waters just, of baptism. Just America, use your brain for once, please, and, and reelect Trump because that's the best thing that you can do. You can't vote for somebody like Joe Biden who has so many <laughs> things messed Lo up. With Logan him. says, hashtag be smart. Be smart. Be smart. Thank you. Make America smart again. That's what Trump's thing should be. 
it's gonna be i i look all of this stuff we have to contextualize what's going on in america with election year and and i i don't understand why people you know kind of denigrate that they're like oh this isn't about election stuff this is really about whatever Look, Corona craziness, I think as well, we've talked about it before. I understand it's a really bad thing, but the economic shutdown has been weaponized to try and destroy the Trump economy, which has been great, like greater than any economy in the world has ever been. We've had the greatest economy of all time. 2019 was such a ridiculous year for the economy. I mean, unbelievable growth, expansion, whatever. Unemployment was just at record low levels and everything else. Corona comes in. You have economic shutdown. I've talked extensively about my conspiracy theories regarding coronavirus. You can go view it on previous podcast. Uh, Logan also says, hashtag vote for Trump. Agreed on that. Look, and we've talked about this before on the podcast with regards to Vigano's letter supporting Trump, Archbishop Vigano, that I support that type of message from the church who's saying we're trying to support him now, but he's no, he's no Catholic monarch. He's no, you know, like... We'll support him with the reservation that none of this is ultimately the the final end. We're trying to do the best we can in a difficult situation, and the the Republicans are are doing a little bit better. But we're all, you know, like like I've said before, the Republicans and Trump are like a bump in our direction on the road to hell, and so ultimately we shouldn't put all our trust in it. And I'll support it. I'll wholeheartedly support it. But this isn't this isn't the end all be all. You know, just like Obama was like, oh, the worst thing ever for you know for Republicans and Democrats were all happy and whatever. And he left, and now Trump's in. And um, but in 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 all of this, we have to remember this is not the final end. Uh, we we started out with this this big stuff about vocation, and I think we did a pretty good job of talking about vocation. The title of this podcast: Do you have a vocation? Yes, you do. And as the catechism says, your vocation is to be holy. Your vocation, the vocation of humanity, catechism 1877, this is the vocation of humanity, is to show forth the image of God and to be transformed into the image of the Father's only Son, Jesus Christ. This vocation takes a personal form since each of us is called to enter into the divine beatitude. It also concerns the human community as a whole. So our particular role, our personal vocation right now, we are trying to show forth the image of God in our own particular lives. And that's that's what we're trying to do. It takes our personal note. We're talking our politics. We're talking our, our religion. We're talking everything in our particular lives and what we have to do. Talked about marriage and the priesthood and all these other things, but um, we're trying to trying to strive. We're trying to strive for the goodness, trying to strive for the holiness, trying to strive for the whatever. Uh, you know, the ultimate ends. And uh, that's why you listen to the Kel and Alex shows to get a healthy right. dose of that every week, it's Thursday night, 6 to 8 p.m. It's the truth. Every Thursday night, 6 to 8 p.m., it's the truth. And you guys want to hear the truth? We're giving it to you.